Goog's house. All right. Could be the last Memphis game for a long time. What's got to happen to make sure it goes the right way? You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater came to step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can get the latest on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. And yes, we're bringing you an extra bonus episode on Saturday morning to preview the Memphis Tiger basketball game tomorrow afternoon. Now... I have to say a couple things. Um, one, welcome back to the channel. It's good to see. You. I think I just said that a second ago. But remember, we get to 750 subscribers. We are giving away that jacket. We are close. So by the time you're hearing this, we have passed it. Yay, we're giving away that jacket soon. If not, make sure you subscribe and then like and comment on the video so we know who to give it to. Uh, if you have nothing else to say about Memphis or just tired of talking about Memphis, ready for the rivalry to be over after this weekend's matchup. Tell us, uh, I guess yesterday the question was, what letter is silent in the word sent? Uh, tell us how you pronounce the word T-H-E. Now, in this preview, we're going to kind of look, it'll be a little quicker because there was a full preview of the last time we played Memphis. And frankly, part of me feels like a lot of it's the same until I'm in a couple weeks. And Memphis does look fairly similar. But I want to talk a little bit about what's updated since then and kind of incorporate some aspects of what happened the first time these two teams played. So, we're going to go straight through with a little break in the middle, um, all previewing Memphis all the time. I'd like to start with how that first game went um, and kind of talk about any trends and things like that that could trickle out of this. But I will say that there's a whole lot more on Memphis from both before and after that game just a couple weeks ago, just further down in the feed. All right, so last game against Memphis, remember Houston won 72-64. to 64. Um, Big news in that one was Kendrick Davis did not play. He had injured his ankle about less than 72 hours earlier on Thursday night. And so they played on that Sunday afternoon. He was not healthy enough. He did, did try to warm up. Uh, looked like he might try and play. Did not suit up. However, uh, Malcolm Dandridge and Alex Lomax did both play. Those guys had both been hurt for a while for Memphis. So that was kind of, you know, their like wild card they threw into the game. Neither scored a bunch of points. Um, I would say Lomax did have an impactful game. He just missed uh, all of his shots. However, um, the interesting thing on that one for Memphis was the emergence of Elijah McCadden and uh, sorry, and one uh, why am I uh, DeAndre Williams? I'm sorry, DeAndre Williams at the 20 point, uh, and he had six rebounds, which felt like a lot more. Um, but he did also foul out, so like the physicality, I guess, was carried over there as well. Um, in that game, though, and matching that physicality of Williams was one Jawan Roberts. Roberts remember, had his career high to that point in 20 points. Um, also threw in 12 rebounds to make it a double-double. A big-time game on him. Jairus Walker had just four points, but also had his own eight rebounds, two steals, and a block. Um, big physical game out of Jairus, even though it won like, the pretty finishes and shooting that we have come up, somewhat grown accustomed to seeing. Um, Marcus Sasser threw in his own 20 points, including finishing 8-8 at free-throw line down the stretch. Um, big, big game out of him as becoming predictable. Um, notable thing on the Houston side of that first matchup was they kept really, really tight with the bench. Not a whole lot of guys coming off the bench. Um, I guess admittedly it looks like four, but Javier Francis played just four minutes. Terrence Arsenal played like a, what felt like a quick nine. Um, and Reggie Cheney played just 13 because of the dominance of Juwan Roberts when he was in the game. Um, 
on the whole, right, the starters played the bulk of this game, as I would imagine you start seeing as you get into more high-profile, like later in the American Athletic Conference, and then certainly in March Madness later rounds. Um, that's the way this team, I think, will play those tight, tight games, is you come in, if you're not hot, if you're not defending well, poof, right back out, right? Um, in this game, I thought it was interesting to watch them play um, because Memphis opened up after I had previewed that game to them and how little they shot from three. Um, they went just six of 15, but that percentage was notably higher than their season average. The season average uh, to that point was closer to 32. And that six of 15, if you're, I'm, I teach history, but if you teach math, right, that's a 40% three point percentage for the day. Um, and we're going to talk in a moment about how they've played since Houston, but that is like, what kind of kept this close that in the efforts, I guess, like the hustle plays out of DeAndre Williams. Um, Houston did, I don't want to say got a favorable whistle in uh, in Houston in this game. If anything, I'd argue that it was a little you know, slanted. But Memphis did lose a lot when DeAndre Williams got in foul trouble, right? Like, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been in foul trouble. I'm not saying those weren't fouls. But they did lose a lot when he was on the floor, especially without Kendrick Davis on there to kind of right the ship. Um, Houston did force Memphis into 18 turnovers. And I think the conversation because of that after the game was, well, you win by eight, you force a team without the starting point guard and 18 turnovers at your home gym. What's it look like at their place when he's back, right? Um, now, admittedly, Kendrick Davis is not a high turnover guy on the averages, right? Like, it's not like he's averaging like eight turnovers a game or something and is therefore, um, you know, this, a liability or something like that. He's averaging just 3.3 turnovers. Um, th- this guy was player of the year in the conference last year when he was at SMU, for a reason, right? Like this is not like some scrub. However, Houston has turned over good guards in the past, and we've seen against some higher profile teams. Kendrick Davis does turn the ball over someone faced with like intense pressure, and Houston's got a few guys to throw at him. So I don't know that that criticism of the first game is fair. And I said that after the fact because you're assuming Kendrick Davis plays a perfect game, like a game well above his averages. And also you're assuming that like all those shots that Elijah, Mc, like Elijah McCann played very well and hit 20 points, right? That is around what Kendrick Davis is averaging. And so while Elijah McCann, you know, would have still had eight or nine points, probably if uh, Kendrick Davis plays, it's not like he would have just like added 20 points to the roster. Some of those shots came from somewhere else and not just a, a net add. You don't just add them on top of the total. Um, Elijah McCann had just turn over, two turnovers himself. And so I also think it's pointing out like in comparing point guard play between the last game and the next game, um, McCadden's two turnovers are as low as a point guard is realistically going to have against the pressure Houston plays with. And to assume that Kendrick Davis would have had less, I don't think is fair. Um, Especially again, when we've seen him play against power five competition and had some touchy turnovers, right? Um, I will say in this game, the interesting thing is that Alex Lomax played 29 minutes and Malcolm Dandridge played six. Um, Dandridge did have two points. Lomax did not have any. As you've seen them grow on and seen this team continue to grow in Memphis in the team in the time since we played them in the last two weeks, um, there's a couple of interesting things. One, they continue to play close games. Um, we mentioned going into the game against Houston, Memphis was 20 and six, but 11 of the 21s had been by uh, uh, single digits, right under 10 points. They have won three. They have won three games since and lost obviously the Houston game. And in three of those four games, counting the Houston game the difference has still been single digits. They play close games. That's just the only way Memphis seems to know how to do things. And I want to get into more of what that means in a second. But first, I want to make sure I tell you about our buddies at 
FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is the number one sports book in America, and it is March, and that means it is time to look at your sports books. Uh, it's also midway point in the NBA season. It's perfect time to download FanDuel, all the basketball going on all the time. It's America's number one sports book, and you can get a no sweat first bet as a new customer up to $1,000. It's bonus bets back if your fir- first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can run everything from the money line to points scores and threes drained. As I told you guys yesterday, uh, they are putting Houston at plus 100 to make the final four and plus 600 to win the whole thing. Um, I think if you're betting either one of those, you ought to also be betting the other, right? Uh, you don't get to the, win the championship without getting to the final four. That seems like a fairly obvious statement. And we both know that if Houston gets to the final four, that's just 5.6 miles from campus. <laughs> and uh, Marcus Sasser was, is 49-4 and four in the city of Houston as a collegiate athlete. I'm hedging my bets there. I'm putting money on them to go all the way. And I'm telling you to do it at FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay as well. So don't miss a chance. Get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, so I said I want to talk some about Memphis since we played them last. Um, and what I do think is interesting in looking at this is that, um, honestly, they've gotten better. I think Houston's gotten better too. But one thing they've unlocked that I think they started to find in that Houston game is with Lomax and Dandridge on the floor and more downhill attack, they get more kickout threes, which are easier shots to hit. Um a kid named uh, Demaria Franklin hit two. It was two of two from three in his 23 minutes against Houston. Um, he's not necessarily always a 23 minutes a game kind of guy, but without Kendrick Davis, their guard rotation was a little bit different, right? Um, I say that to say that, like they also had DeAndre Williams pull up and hit two threes. He's not typically that type of shooter either, but. In the games since Houston, right, against Cincinnati and against Wichita State and then against SMU on Thursday night, they shot the ball relatively well from three across the board, um, certainly better than they had on the season. And they're starting to tap into that more as they're getting more space to drive downhill, right? When you add Dandridge and Lomax, even if it's off the bench in like the 15-ish minutes roll that kind of have both settled into since that Houston game, um, it does seem to have spread out the floor some for them where they're running a high low with a pick and roll on the weave. So we got like a lot of guys in the lane at once before. Um, and frankly, that means you don't, that doesn't quite suck the defense down the same way because you don't have the guys outside to catch and shoot. They're spacing it out and having the guys outside to catch and shoot more. So when you're Kendrick Davis's or when you're, uh, DeAndre Williams or whomever do get downhill. You've got more options to more release valves. If you want to think about that way to kick the ball out too. Um, they're not doing a whole lot of anything crazy in offense. They frankly did beat Cincinnati and Wichita State and SMU each by kind of out athleting them. Um, defensively, I mentioned they will stay in the press because they feel like that gives them the best chance. Again, their press, if you don't recall or didn't remember from the Memphis game is they keep calling it a run and jump, but it's really it's like a two-two-one with like man principles. And what they're really trying to do is make you take a lot of the shot clock up before you get into your offense. If you take 12 seconds to get inside of 27 feet, um, that means you only have 18 seconds left to run an offense, right? And then theoretically you're taking a rough shot. Um, they haven't turned, they continued to not, I should say, uh, force other team into turnovers a whole lot, right? They still rank in the bottom or you know, 324th. So in the bottom, bottom, bottom section of forcing teams into turnovers. However, um, 
what they are doing is forcing you to take rush shots, contested shots, etc. Um, they continue to play high scoring games, right? Memphis was uh, giving up as many points as anyone in the country. And in these close wins, I mean, it's 83, 78, 76, 73, right? Like they're going to give up over 70 points, whether it's home road or indifferent. Um, and so I think Houston should again, settle somewhere in the seventies uh, again, uh, much like they did the first game. The interesting thing to me is in the first game is Sasser and shed seem to be, have, a decent time with the press and neither one turned the ball over too, too terribly much. Uh, Juwan Roberts had a couple they could put on him, but with intense full court pressure, having a total of five turnovers from your backcourt, while it's uncharacteristic for Houston, especially given like how well they've played as of late. Um, it's not with the amount of pressure being put on them by high level defenders. I don't actually think that that crazy, they're playing a much more high speed game and Memphis plays a very, very fast game relative to Houston. Houston's one of the bottom teams in the country in terms of pace. Memphis, one of the fastest teams in the country in terms of pace because of the turn, because of the like speed with which a press, you know, impacts the game, uh, quick shots, one shots, et cetera, going back and forth. Right. Um, I say all that to say that this game will look similar in some ways, the pressing, the those, so on and so forth. I imagine Houston tries to exploit uh, the Juwan Roberts matchup. I wonder if they get Jarris Walker more and some block-to-block connections too, get him those short-corner isolation plays we've seen um, where they run a floppy set through so the two guards change sides, and then a block-to-block screen that frees him up in the short corner on an entry pass. I think some of that stuff really kind of opened him up in a way that, like, I don't know if Memphis is going to also guard Juwan Roberts. How do they guard? Like, where do they put their defenders? Um, and the other piece of this is I've really enjoyed watching. If you've listened to any post game show, you understand. I love watching Jarris Walker distribute the basketball. I think it, the vision he has for a guy his size is so tremendous that if he isolates and they double down from somewhere, that's easy money to me. Um, I think that that's got to be how they do it. Um, this game was hyper physical the first time. Houston shot 23 free throws. I mean, at least some of those were down the stretch when Memphis finally trying to get the ball back. But Houston shot 23 free throws. Um, and uh, DeAndre Williams fouled out. Like, this was a tough physical game. Um, I imagine even though Memphis is a little bit more spread out, more perimeter-based now, again, they went from shooting 20 per, or making 20% of their points from three to now they're close to 30 in just four games. <laughs> like that's a, it's a steep increase in how many points are coming from beyond the arc for them um, for such a short window for sure. Right. I just, I feel like it's still going to be a physical game because it's Houston and Memphis. What's fun about Houston and Memphis is, is that this rivalry is two of the, if you want to call it three teams that kind of have run the American athletic conference the last 10 ish years, right? You can go back further and find the, the Cheney teams at, at temple or, or what have you, but on the whole, when you look at the programs in the American Athletic Conference, and just talking about like, the programs in general, Houston is a historically good basketball program, right? Memphis is a historically good basketball program. Are there down and are there lean years in both? Yes, but historically, they've got great history. Um, you could also very quickly look at like Wichita State had a run there where they appeared to be on their way to becoming one as well. I mean, they had year in year out of like deep runs in the tournament, the Fred Van Vliet kind of thing, all that kind of stuff, right? From the whole Memphis and Houston have kind of anchored the basketball side of this conference. Frankly, they've had fun football games against one another too, with both teams being able to put out future pros seemingly regularly, right? Which is not common always in these American Athletic Conference size conferences. Houston's moving to the Big 12, and Memphis notably got left out of said move to the Big 12. Um, now, if the conference expands to 20, you and I can talk about it at a later date about like, does Houston need to add Memphis in back into the mix in that instance? Uh, but regardless, Houston got picked by the Big 12 to come join. Memphis did not. 
that certainly added fuel to this fire as it has in the SMU rivalry, as it has in any other instance across the conference, with the exception of Cincinnati and Florida, obviously, right? It's also a rivalry because they're both good in this conference. And I think the fun thing about this game is it'll be physical, it'll be tough, it'll be fun. And frankly, it's the best basketball. Joe Lenardi continues to have Houston and Memphis as the only two American Athletic Conference teams in the tournament. I think he's maybe right, and that's what will happen. You and I can talk later about what should happen. I think that, truthfully, Tulane is also that kind of good. I know Temple is the one that got us. Um, I digress. I, I I think that the American Athletic Conference is a little bit better than people give credit for. But um, this is seemingly, I mean, Houston's won the conference already, and the conference tournament is next week. So in some ways, this is for nothing. But in some ways, like this rivalry, it's for everything, right? And so because of that, I anticipate you see a incredible effort out of Houston. Um, now, if someone like does, you know, knock on wood, tweak an ankle, obviously you sit them because like, what's the big deal? Just a regular season game, right? Let's not push things, be crazy with it, et cetera. But Samson has said the whole time he's not taking his foot off the gas. Houston doesn't appear to be taking their foot off the gas at all. They had an initial like rough start, I guess, on uh, Thursday night, senior night, right? Like coming off that emotion of the senior night pre- uh, thing right before. But after that, they kicked it into gear. Um, I, I just anticipate this being a fun, fun game for Houston and a wild environment in Memphis. Their last time playing Houston for who knows how long, right? Um, senior night for them or senior day for them, all those kinds of things. A fun, fun one for sure. Things to look out for, things that I'm going to tell you to look out for are, does Houston continue to go to J1 Roberts early and often, right? And get him back to that career high level because that was the matchup they exploited the first game. What kind of role do they want Jarris Walker to have in this game? Where are they fighting him on the floor and what kinds of things they're looking to do? And then the impact of Kendrick Davis, right? We talked at length about like what he would bring to the court if he played in the first matchup and then he did not play. But Kendrick Davis, while it's easy to hate on SMU and Memphis and he's played at both, <laughs> um, he is a pro's pro. He is a great scorer. He hits tough shots. He makes you play. He like makes your defense look silly at times. You're like, oh, how are you giving that up? It's like, if I don't give that up, I got to give this other thing up, right? Um, he is a tough, tough score and does so many things so, so well for Memphis. This is a uh, Ken Palm ranked 36 team, and it is not one without him on the floor. I can tell you that right now. Um, he is really, really impactful and powerful on offense. Defense, I think that, you know, he's not Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd. But he's certainly not a scrub either. He's a very talented basketball player. And it'll be fun to see where, you know, if they go with Shed on him or if they go with Sasser on him. If I go to like their starters against Wichita um, in that matchup, I'm sorry, I lost the game just now. But in that matchup, you saw like uh, a little bit more like the matchup against Houston, except they added Kendrick Davis in the lineup, right? Uh, They had DeAndre Williams, Kendrick Davis. Elijah McCadden as the off guard, Chandler Lawson and Jaden Hardaway. They were still bringing Alex Lomax and Malcolm Dandridge off the bench. Um, those two guys that play pretty key roles, even though they are rotating off the bench. Um, and so what I imagine there you see is that I think you put Sasser on Davis, although I could see why you'd put Jamal Shedd on Davis. You put the other one, Elijah McCadden, in my personal opinion. I think that you put, um, I, you probably put Jarvis on Chandler Lawson. Um, and allow him to play some more help side kind of stuff and let Jerron Roberts take DeAndre Williams. I would understand going the other way around on that. And then I put Tremont Mark on Jaden Hardaway. Um, I, you know, I think 
our advantage there is both Jaden and Tremont. Um, but we'll see. I think the advantage in the first game pl- turned out to be Sasser and Jawan. So what do I know? But we'll be talking about it all week long here at Locked on Cougs. Uh, make sure you check us out each and every day to talk Houston Cougars each and every day. First thing in the morning. Um, one note, and I said this on Friday because I didn't know if I'd be able to get out a preview or not today. Um, my wife and I are going to see her family for some family stuff. Um going on and so I, I can't guarantee that I get to watch the game live on Sunday if you're used to interacting with me on Twitter and going through a game thread where I just like constantly feeding out my thoughts on the basketball game in a thread of tweets um, A, I appreciate you and it's been really really fun to do those throughout the season those will keep going obviously after this game throughout the conference and uh, national tournaments however we we just have to go do some some family stuff so while you know we appreciate you thinking about us and those kinds of things um, I won't be live tweeting the game just don't think it's going to be able to happen this weekend. Um, I will obviously watch the full game, hopefully without having any idea what happens at the end, <laughs> um, before putting out Monday's recap episode. There will be a recap episode up Monday morning, I promise. And I promise I'll watch the game from start to finish before putting it out there. It might just be in the middle of the night, um, Sunday night into Monday, I j- just because we got to go do some stuff and won't be getting home till late. Um, so that's what we're doing. And I am enthusiastically looking forward to getting to watch some Cougar basketball after what I'm sure will be an emotional weekend. So thank you all so much for tuning in Locked on Cougs this morning. Uh, it has been a pleasure to talk to you about some Houston Cougar basketball. You want to talk all things Cougs, football, basketball, Rockets, uh, the downturn they've had lately, uh, lately being three years now, <laughs> the Astros, Texans, what have you. I'll talk all things Houston Cougars, et cetera, at Painsworth, five, wait, where is it? Painsworth 512, P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H 512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your social media handles. Thank you all so much for listening to Locked On Coops this morning on Saturday morning. If you're looking for a second listen today, I'm going to recommend Locked On College Basketball because their weekend episode is always a preview of the big time college basketball game. So make sure you go check that out as well. It's a great show. Andy and Isaac run it, and it's a very Houston Cougar friendly college basketball show as well. So make sure you go check that out. Thank you all so much. Locked On Coops is a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, or in our case, number one team in the country every day. Go Cougs. <laughs>